Hello, PolyAm fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hey, Monsuda. Welcome back. Hi, Bella. Thanks. We are officially in what we're calling season one, the season of personal development. Dun, dun, dun! So welcome. Welcome to Talk Your Poly Off. Oh, thank you. Oh, you mean them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, welcome. You're welcome always to Talk here. Your Poly Off. <laughs> so how are we going to personally develop today? Well, I mean, I think we should kind of start at the beginning. Like, are we talking the spark of life? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, depend. Never mind. <laughs> no! I'm talking about like we can't we can't really work on ourselves. We can't work on all these topics, right? Stuff like jealousy and ego and anything along emotional baggage, stuff like that. We can't work on any of that until we know who we are. Okay, that's fair. So we need to get a hold of the social security office yes. and find out who we are. No. No, no. No. There's identifying stuff like names and social security and fingerprint and things okay. like that. But this is the more internalized self-concept idea. Like knowing who I am regardless of my partner's or society's influence and understanding how I work in a way that makes me comfortable with my existence with or without people around me. Yes. In oh, okay. other words. That was a good guess. The perception of self. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> so all of what you just said, or just our own perception of self, which, I mean, it could include stuff like identity, and body image, and self-esteem, okay, let's and like pump what the roles you play, you know, it's, it's all of okay, it. Okay, let's pump the brakes and take it a little bit at a time. Okay. So basically what we want to do is we want to understand who we are. Yes, we want to know what sets us apart from everybody else. What makes us an individual. Yeah, what makes you, you? What makes me, me? Well, I would have to say a lot of dark humor. <laughs> True. <laughs> a, nihil a nihilistic look on life. And a deep love for everyone. Okay. <laughs> There's more to you than that. Okay. Okay. You don't I believe me. What just happened? I don't know. It's like earlier when you did your Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello! Hello. Oh, that was off air. Sorry, you guys didn't get to hear that. Um, okay, so... I mean, sure, all of that makes up part of you, but that isn't all of who you are. Correct. So, like, one of the things that we want to do when we're trying to figure out who we are is, my opinion, is strip off, like, all your clothes... <laughs> It's naked self time. Yes, just stand <laughs> naked in a mirror and really examine every nook and cranny of your existence. <laughs> I mean, sure, you could do it that way. And it, it, metaphorically speaking, I mean, if you want to do it physically, do it. I prefer not to. <laughs> but, I mean, that's because I need to get more comfortable with myself. However, so if we're, if we're, in my view, stripping off 
all of the I, I'm supposed to like this or I like this because my partner likes this. Am I getting a little too far ahead of myself here? No, no, no. You're right on track. I mean, it requires some self-reflection. Yeah. So instead of perhaps the physical, literal standing in front of a mirror, it's turning inward and looking at yourself. And then some of it develops based on feedback from others, too. So you try and figure, you're doing your own internal self-reflection, figuring things out as you go. And then you step into the world with what you think, who you think you are. Uh And then based off of some feedback from friends, family, society, whatever it is, you might then come back and reflect again and be like, oh, I didn't like that. Maybe I, maybe I'm more like this, or maybe I want to be more like this. And then a lot of the times we go out and we test that again. We're like, yeah, that feels comfortable. Right. Okay. So in order to do that, we need to figure out what it is we're taking out into the world and testing. Yeah. And again, naked in the mirror. This for me Mm -hmm. is really essential in the sense that when I'm standing bare, metaphorically or mm-hmm. spiritually speaking, I'm stripping away what I perceive as my identities or my labels or designators. And I'm looking at, without external influence, what is it about me that I like? Or what is it about life that I like? And if I'm composing myself with things I enjoy or parts of me that I enjoy, then I need to be able to see those openly and without a shroud of influence or, you know, I mean, we can attach a lot of words and things to descriptions. So, yeah, you definitely need to work on what you believe and feel is who you are, no matter what the outside world says. I mean, let me get back into it really quick. Like, with grass. (laughs) Like weed? No, just grass, grass, not (laughs) 70s grass. The electric lettuce. (laughs) We call grass grass because we've all agreed to call it grass. Right. Right? So we've all come together and we're using our language, and this might totally be a sidetrack we don't need to go down but i'm gonna do it anyway (laughs) we've chosen to label the grass as grass if you took the name grass away from this and then just went outside and sat in it and didn't associate the word with the actual living thing Mm -hmm. you can explore what it is you can explore the colors of it itchy green blades itchy green blades the texture the the way it feels when you gently run your hand across the top of it. Whistling wind blades. Yeah. So you're attaching different words to it, right? <laughs> but what if instead we attached feelings to it? And now it's not so much grass. It's that wonderful stuff that tickles my feet when I run barefoot in a field. or so and, I, and you're attaching how it makes you feel? I do that with grass. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Fresh cut grass is one of my favorite scents mm-hmm. ever. Like the smell of fresh cut grass, aside from a campfire and fresh rain, yeah, is amazing. It takes me back to days of soccer tournaments and um, 
the wet morning dew would be on the grass and we'd be warming up and get ready, getting ready before the first game of a tournament. And I have so much happiness and joy and there was laughter and fun. And then by the time the afternoon came and we were eating oranges and we were laying on our tummies in the hot, dry, itchy grass because it had heat evaporated the dew because it had dried out and evaporated the dew it was now all brown and itchy and dry but i still have so many fun memories and emotions attached to it right so i totally get that reference okay and to further that reference someone else who may be allergic to grass could absolutely hate the smell of fresh cut grass <laughs> true so that's a great example of how looking at ourselves for ourselves is important because you could be like, hey, Monsida, you need to really smell this fresh cut grass it's because this best. is how your life needs to be. Right. And I could be like, bro, <laughs> it makes my nose swell up. It makes everything itchy. It doesn't. I'm not allergic yeah. to grass. But if I was. But your life view, your experience, your emotions and feelings based around grass right. are going to be different than mine. Right. Now, if we pull back on the metaphor a bit and then you mentioned body image right at the top of this yeah. discussion this is a great place to really take the labels and the names off of things you're not fat you're not hairy you're not skinny you're not tall right i mean those are those are factual descriptors but they don't make up who you are okay you're not a disgusting beast. There you right? go. Yeah. So take all of these labels and things off that, that maybe society has given or maybe a grumpy relative will use or even just the stuff that we feel like we've been conditioned to believe because we don't match the people in the, the pretty magazine people, right? Right. So take all of those labels off. Take all those descriptors off and look at your body. And... Find out what about your body you do like. And what we're doing is we're trying to develop the narrative that we enjoy that helps us feel good about our existence so that when we're ready to go out into the world and date or be polyamorous, we are giving the best us to the people that we want to give the best us to. Yes. Another example I have for the body image thing, right? So I am overweight. I am fat, whatever you want to call it. Factually, scientifically, it's true. Right. However, while society and other people may look at me and think, because she is fat, overweight, heavy, she's lazy. She's totally a lazy person. I can either go home and look in the mirror, strip down, and repeat those thoughts to myself that, oh, I'm overweight, I must be lazy. Or I can take that and be like, no, 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 I might be scientifically overweight, but my body is strong. And so that's the narrative that I'm going to stick with. That's part of my identity. That's who I am. I'm strong. She is strong. I've watched her bench press Volkswagen bugs. <laughs> I thought you were going to say velociraptors for some reason. You know, you can't bench press those. those no, are I've been watching too much TikTok and there's a makeup tutorial where it's all like, men don't like nostrils and you're trying to be a velociraptor. Oh no, it's a pterodactyl. Oh my God. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> I like TikTok. <laughs> Rawr. Yeah, so. How <laughs> do you come back from that? <laughs> with your tail tucked between yeah, your legs. Yeah, my bad. No, so it's a body image thing, right? Yeah. And, and this is even not just a body image. Because, 
you know, we talk about that a lot. And not just us on this show, but society has really started doing a lot of talk on body image. But what about mental image? Mm-hmm. You know, like, first off, if you feel like you get called out for being too hairy, but you like it, like, you know, you maybe you enjoy the insulation that your hair gives or you just like having that. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You, you could listen to the shame that you're given or whatever, or you could just embrace your fuzziness. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So anyway, what I was wanting to jump to was there's a lot of talk about body positivity mm-hmm. and body image and not to fall for constructed views. Of, of course. And then what I think needs to come next and we could start doing that here mm-hmm. with with you guys and with us is your mental image, mm-hmm. your image of your mental state of being, right? I mean, there's a lot of people, especially with 2020 and 2021, developing anxiety and depression and like agoraphobia almost, you know? Yeah. It's okay to embrace that part of you as well. And not be ashamed or not be afraid of the things that build up your mental home and really embrace that part of you. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm just giving examples to your stories here, but it's, I've always been the social butterfly, right? Yeah. I like going out and holding events and hosting and all these things. And I mean, just the other day, I had a friend message me and be like, hey, do you want to play some board games over Zoom? And I'm finding myself having to be more comfortable saying no, because my mental health might just need me to get my hands dirty in my succulents. And it might be dumb, but I want to play in my happy planner with all my Disney stickers. It's what's keeping me sane and it makes me happy and brings me joy. And it's all by myself. You know, I right. don't, I'm finding myself shying away from any of the social situations, at least the COVID social type situations right. where I don't want to video chat with everyone. And it's taking a lot of mental energy to do that when I'm already mentally stressed. So while I miss and I love my people, I'm having to find a new way to protect my mental health and remove the label and the box that I've put myself in that I'm the social person and I do these things and that's who I am. Be like, wait a minute, I can also be these things right. and it's still who I am and that's okay. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I've done a lot of the same thing as after the pandemic put us into lockdown and, you know, certain life events have happened. I am not social at all. Like I, I have a hard time texting people back. Yeah. It's not that I don't love these people anymore. It's that what I'm doing is taking care of my needs. Mm-hmm. And I often talk about the hierarchy of needs. I'm working on the baseline stuff because I feel like in order to have a very stable pyramid, you need to have an amazing foundation. When I've raised my children, I've told them that some of the pillars of a foundation are what makes your house. You know, openness, honesty, communication, you know, all of these things, compassion. So when I feel like I have instability, whether it's physically or mentally or spiritually, I need to go back and I need to check the foundation to make sure it's good. And I've been doing a lot of that. I don't, I don't post on Facebook really anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't 
really connect with people. I don't reach out much. Like even my oldest daughter is like, dad, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? You know? So it's okay to be able to do that. And you know, when, when they're like, Hey, where'd you go? You can honestly say, I just, I just needed to take care of some me things, you know? And it's not always about like what's supposedly holding you back either. Right. You might not feel so comfortable being a social butterfly. You're really great at public speaking, but you don't like the way that you've talked yourself into not doing it. Right. Embrace that and do that. I used to think, I'm going to use my example now. <laughs> I hated high school. Yeah. I hated middle school. I was a straight F student. I was one of the smartest kids in the class. <laughs> Because, like, I was, like, 99% all the time with every answer and everything. I just yeah. didn't want to do the homework and didn't want to do the tests and <laughs> didn't want to listen. But that built up this stigma in my head that school's stupid and doing this sort of education stuff is stupid because I already know this stuff and I already can figure things out. Right. And I go through a lot of my adult life not thinking school's important, you know, because... I dropped out and I still have a job and I'm still a homeowner or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. I didn't need school for this shit. Right. Right. And then something happened and I lost my job and I needed to figure out what I was doing next. And so I turned to college and I went back to school going for a degree in business. And when I walked in, I, all, I brought in all of those those old preconceptions of what education is and what life is in the schooling system. Right. And my first semester, I was still that mousy, quiet kid in the back who didn't want to get involved. By my second semester, I was the secretary of the business club. <laughs> By my third semester, I was the president of the business club. <laughs> right. And not only was I, and I hate public speaking, which is why we do a podcast. <laughs> You are not in front of us. <laughs> so I'm the president all of a sudden of this club. You have to be voted into this. Right. So enough people thought I'd be good at it, even though I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm no good at it. Everyone else is like, no, we really nominate Joshua. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'll, I'll do it. But don't expect much. And I, under my administration, Ran one of the most exciting business years ever for the college. Right. We did this amazing fundraiser and community service event that was a, a fantastic haunted house. Made thousands of dollars mm -hmm. in like three nights. Nice. So I got past those notions that education was stupid and I decided to just embrace it. And next thing you know, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, I'm trying to show that I had this idea that schooling was stupid and it wasn't for you it wasn't part of who you were as a person right but by the time i shed that man i was shining like a shooting star right. you know everything was amazing and i loved college <laughs> well and you know you said something earlier and it made me think about sort of the the boxes or the labels or the views that society puts us in or like the roles that we play in society yeah. right for example, let's take man-woman finances, right? Okay. So, like, in our household, you and I make approximately the same amount. We bring home the same. There is no sole breadwinner right. and a homemaker situation. 
society and life has taught men in general, totally generalized statements here, that you are to be the breadwinner, you are to make more of the money, you are to support the family. And you're supposed to be the good Susie homemaker with an apron in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Now, reality, right? So maybe, I don't know, five, ten years ago, especially on my first marriage, I felt terrible, like a failure, because I am not Susie Homemaker. I'm getting better in the kitchen, and I like cooking more, mostly because you've helped me and supported me in that venture. And because I know how to cook, and I was teaching you. (laughs) You were teaching me. But I'm not, I can't sew on a button. Don't ask me to iron anything. I could show you those things, too. I... (laughs) hardly do the dishes <laughs> i know I, so i'm just not Susie homemaker and you don't make a fuck ton of money more than me no so we support each other yeah. in the home situation and if you were to take that poorly because society told you that your role was to do x y and z and now that's not happening you could potentially internalize that and now your self-esteem and who you are is threatened because you don't fit into this boxed role that society put you in. You're absolutely correct. In fact, I think that has a lot of ego conversation, which we should probably get to in another discussion. Definitely. But as far as the labels and stuff go, that's a really important thing to look at. Well, and it, it really affects who you are on the inside. And again, like I, like I said... I felt like I wasn't a good wife because I didn't do all these things I was supposed to do. But supposed to do according to who? Right. This is my fucking life. I want to live it how I'm going to live it. What makes me happy? Am I harming anyone? Am I breaking the law? No, I'm just living my life according to me and my rules and my boundaries. And it works for those around me and whoever's in my life. And if it doesn't work for them, they don't need to be in my life. Right. So basically, you're learning who you are despite outside influence. Right. So, And to fuel that, I was just saying, oh, yeah, I could teach you how to sew on a button. I could teach you how to iron and blah, 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 blah. The reason why is because early on in my adult life, I had to shed all of those socially constructed ideals of who does what. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was 18 and paving out my future, I still had that in my head. My dad was really staunch about those things. And so I was like, I need to be the one that makes like the primary resources. And my wife needs to be the one that raises the kid. And, you know, I need to just put in as many hours as I can and pay the bills. And okay, so I was married at 16, had my first child at 16. By 18, obviously things were going south. (laughs) And my wife, because I was the one putting in 60-hour weeks and trying really hard to pay the bills, had a lot of free time, and she didn't want to be married anyway, so she was trying to pave her own life, which probably wouldn't have included me. Mm-hmm. Well, things got bitter, and we split up because I didn't like where things were going, and I took custody of our daughter, Right, and she left our life. Yeah. In that time, my daughter was a teeny tiny child, <laughs> still in diapers or yeah, I still you were in diapers. Say still is. She was a teeny tiny child, still is. Yeah, she's 7 centimeters tall actually. <laughs> and so I'm a single dad now. I'm a single mom now. I'm the sole breadwinner. I'm the Susie homemaker. Mhm. 
I have to fill all those roles. And while I was doing that, I was learning a lot about me. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't all easy. I had a little bit of emotional breakdowns at times. Like, this is hard. Like, why couldn't I have the things with my wife worked out or whatever? Right. But the more I did it and the more I paid attention to what I was doing and learning about me, the better off I was and the happier I was with who I am and who I am to this child who relies on me. Absolutely. And then, like, got her quickly out of diapers and, like, we were just rocking and rolling. <laughs> and I was both the mom and the dad and I was every role that needed to be done. And I realized they don't, first off, don't need to be gender specific. Right. And second off, they're kind of bullshit. And totally. if you just work on who you are and what you like to be, I can sew on a button. I know how to sew on a button. Well, and I want to add to that. You're talking about how, you know, obviously gender roles don't mean jack. And I want to add on the fact that your identity changes. Yeah. Who you are or who you believe you are, who you want to be, all that stuff on the inside changes through time. Like big life events can change it. Like you said, you went from being this sole breadwinner type role and that's who you identified as to now you're mom and dad. Yeah. Now you're sole caretaker of this little baby child. Yeah. And so that changed over time. Then you went on to be married man and father of multiple kids in a two-parent household. I have a lot of what you would call identities or labels. Yeah. And they were all things that I've developed over time. Yeah. And I mean, like, I could go from my biggest identity crisis, I yeah. guess you could say, I was when I was about 20, 19, 20, and I was in college. And from the age of four until 20, I believed myself to be an athletic person. Mm -hmm. I was going to play soccer in the Olympics on a women's professional team before women's professional soccer existed. I remember being at the, I think it was the 94, maybe 96, can't remember, Olympics, where the women's U.S. soccer team beat the the Chinese women's soccer team in a shootout and Brandy Chastain ripped off her shirt. And my dad and I were in Pasadena, California at the Rose Bowl at that game. And I was like, I'm going to do this. This is who I am. My life revolved around that identity. I played on so many different teams. Didn't matter the season. I was on all-star and club and high school, all these things. I was refing. I was coaching. My life revolved around it. Then I blew out my ACL Actually, I blew out my ACL, MCL, and my meniscus all in one shot. Played a couple years in college. Played overseas in Sweden, Denmark, and Norway. I was on the Olympic development team, the ODP team once upon a time. Then my knee went out. All of life came crashing down. Right. I hit that big depression spiral, sat in my college dorm room eating Lucky Charms by the handful and ignoring my class schedule. It was a good time. Yeah, sounds like. And that was the first time I came across a big identity crisis. And now all of a sudden I had to figure out who I was if sports and being an athlete wasn't a part of it. And for a while I struggled. And depending on what guy I was dating, I would match my identity to his. Oh, this dude likes to play poker. I am now a poker player. Ta-da! Right. And it did that for a while. And it wasn't until... After I got married and divorced, started exploring things on my own and jumped into the kink world and figured out that polyamory was a thing. And this is who I've always been, just didn't know what it was and started doing all this self-exploration that I was like, you know, 
I can pick up bits and pieces of things and be like, oh, that's really cool. I really like that. I'm going to incorporate that into who I am and what I want to be. But that doesn't mean my world is suddenly going to change and who I identify as is going to change. Right. So I've gone through quite a few of these identity crisis things and found my way back. Well, and that's another thing you, you mentioned. We're not talking about who you are despite social construction, but also because of outside influences. Mm -hmm. You know, you you have a friend. You admired that they did this or they were like this. And you aspired to be a little bit like that. And there's a common philosophy that we are the accumulation of the five closest people in our life. Right. So that's another aspect of how you understand who you are is mm -hmm. what am I taking from people or what am I giving to people? What do I want to give to people? What do I want to take from people? What is it I want my life to be like versus what is it now? Yeah. So set a map like this is what I want. How do I get there? What kind of what kind of things do I need to tell myself? How much do I need to quit shit talking myself mm -hmm. or others and start gold talking myself or others? Yeah. Hey, you look fantastic today. Maybe you didn't brush your hair, but you still look great, right? Like without the negging part, of course, right? Of course. So it says a description, you didn't brush your yeah. hair, but I still think you have radiating skin and your smile is adorable. So I want to say these nice things to you because I want to fill your heart with joy and I can overlook your messy ass <laughs> fucking hair. <laughs> it was air drying. No, no, no. Your hair it's actually... quarantine days. Her hair is actually nice. <laughs> it was just a great example. <laughs> Well, and that's a really good point that you brought up about the five people around us, because if if our audience is sitting down to do self-reflection right now, right, right? You're like, oh, man, who am I? Do I need to look internally and blah, blah, blah? Maybe think about if you don't like who you are or you don't like certain aspects of yourself, think about who you're hanging out with. Mm -hmm. Do they rub off on you in a bad way or in a way that you just don't like? Maybe you need to reassess the friendships. Well, and not even friendships, like coworkers. Mm -hmm. uh, I, there's a couple of people I work with I really can't stand. I'm nice to them because I want to give more than, you know, I want to give that gold standard, right. right? But I don't like them because I think that they're kind of gross people. Right. So, but so you don't let them into your life more, right. more than that arm's length. But I do spend the majority of my waking time with them. Yeah. So it's like sometimes you can't even control... Who's influencing you if you're not paying attention to it? So how do you combat that then? I pay attention to it. Like I didn't for a long time. And I just kind of grew influences. Like when we're sitting around talking and hanging out, I'll even say a phrase that I'm like, oh, geez, you know, that guy at work says that. That's weird that I just said that. You know, so I, I really pay attention to what I let into my mental ecosphere. Right. You know, because I want to know where to focus to grow, mm -hmm. where to focus to improve on to get what I wanted. Now, sometimes it's okay to compromise. Sometimes maybe you have a habit that would be considered a bad habit, but I don't mind it. And then I eventually pick it up. Now, that's not even a good example. <laughs> I was going to go somewhere else with the bad habits earlier. Anyway, so maybe there's a thing that you do that I don't generally do, but because I hang out with you enough, I start doing this thing. As an example, to make it a little less vague, 
You like sushi. Mm-hmm. I would never eat raw fish in my life. That's disgusting. <laughs> Since dating you, I've liked a couple of things of sushi, like a certain types that are made a certain way. Yeah, I reckon. Huh. So, you don't say reckon unless you're trying to throw that shit in my face. I say I reckon because he says I reckon, and it's so cute. <laughs> okay, so sometimes there's toxic codependency. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, joking aside, <laughs> that's okay, right? Learning a little compromise to let someone into your world is all right. Oh, do you mean like how we got a black Christmas tree? Right. Like, I love Christmas and... and I love all things darkness. <laughs> <laughs> so we got the black Christmas tree to celebrate both. Right. And then next year, or just, I guess this year now. Oh, we are in 2021. We're going to maybe have a zombie Christmas Wait, tree. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, then I can do a Valentine's Day one too? Yeah, on Christmas. No. All year long. Tree okay. stays up. Focus. I'm focused. Focus. <laughs> I guess it's not really a compromise if you're acknowledging there are certain things about a person that you admire and want to aspire to do mm -hmm. or be a part of or to take on the goal I think is to know how you want to grow and really what that boils down to we're talking about all these positive affirming things and you know you got to find the grade in you and blah 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 and that's great <laughs> but there's a whole nother side to this coin that's really the important side what about you when you're looking at yourself in the mirror do you not like? Yeah. Oh, and that's a hard what one. are these things? You have to be open with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. Hell, say it out loud so that you have to hear it. And that is so much harder than you think it's going to be. It's worth it, but it's very difficult to stand in front of the mirror and out loud say the most negative things you believe about yourself. And do it without emotional criticism. Like, don't stand in the mirror and be like, you're fucking fat and you're ugly and you're stupid and no one likes you. Those are just shitty things that no one needs to say to each other, right? So you don't need to say it to yourself. But what you could do, like what I do, I, yeah, I'm, a little over, I'm a little overweight myself. Mm-hmm. I, my BMI is higher than what medical standards would say that it needs to be. Right. I don't like it. Not because I want to be hot and sexy, because... But you are! Thank you. I'm not. Stop it! <laughs> but because I want to be healthy. Right? Mm -hmm. I quit drinking soda over a year ago. Anything carbonated is out of my diet. I did it because if I didn't... I was going to have a lot more problems. Right. Um, and there's a couple of other things that would go with that that I'm still working on. But that one was like an actual an accomplishment mm -hmm. for me. So I get to call that one out specifically. But I want to be healthy for longer. So what do you say in the mirror? I like when I weigh myself and when I look at the soft, squishy parts that I'm not entirely fond of, mm -hmm. I acknowledge that they exist. And I acknowledge that my BMI is higher than I want it to be. I could be like, oh, you fat fuck and all this other things, but I don't want to do that. Right. What I want to do is remind myself of what I actually want. I would like to drop 40 pounds, not just drop it, but like work to get rid of it. I'm 40 pounds over what I want to be. And 
I'm not as healthy as I want to be, and I've got some bad habits in both eating and lifestyle, which I would like to change so that I can have a healthier existence. It doesn't matter if I'm fat. It doesn't matter if people think I'm unattractive. That's not the part that matters to me. What matters to me is I want to be healthier. Right. So I'm not going to put myself down. I'm going to acknowledge where I'm at. Say it out loud. I even have a post-it note on my mirror in my bathroom of the highest weight I got to. So that's like, remember when you were this. Let's work to get rid of that. Mm -hmm. And I keep working and I keep working and I, it's all the maintenance. Right. So it's not meant to beat yourself up in the mirror. It's no. meant to just acknowledge, you know, even if I'm, even if it's not a physical body thing, right? You're stripping down all of yourself, your emotions, your mental right. state, all of it. So, I mean... I could stand there and be like, man, I have a really bad habit of interrupting people and I know I'm a great listener, so I really need to focus and pay attention some more going forward so I, I can stop that bad habit. Right, exactly. So it's, it's acknowledging that negative piece, whatever it is you feel about yourself, not what someone else is telling you is negative, what you feel is negative about yourself and maybe acknowledge it and look forward and how am I going to change this and... What are you going to do? I agree with almost all of that. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be negative, though. This thing about you that you don't want to be anymore. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be negative. No, that's true. Right? Yeah. So, yes, I agree. And I use the body image one because I think that almost everyone can relate to that. Yeah. And it's a, we talk like, a lot about fat because we're both fat. But <laughs> it could just be like, I don't like my smile or, you know. Right. Whatever. Which I got that too. What, so, whatever your thing is. But and, and that's another thing is like there are a lot of things over the last month or so that I'm like, I really want to focus on these in this upcoming year. Mm -hmm. One of them is how I present myself. At work. One of them's how I handle life with a partner. You know, I may feel like I do really good with life with a partner, but there are still aspects that I want to improve, which is why I say it doesn't always have to be getting rid of the negative. I think that you and I have an extremely solid relationship yeah. and we do really good. And there are still some things that <laughs> I would like to do better. Right. At work, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> We won't get into that. Anyway, so I guess I guess that's some of what I I do. And everyone's going to do this a little differently. Absolutely. I actually would love to hear what people are doing. If you take the time and you do some internal self-reflection and you're working on your identity and who you are, please call us, text us, leave a voicemail. Let us know what you're doing. We've got the typo phone set up, and that is 209-536-TYPO. Or 209-536-8976. Tell us all about it. Right. And how you manage your own internal dialogue. How you can see yourself beyond your own labels. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really a big deal. Is seeing who you are outside of the world's expectation of you. Or your perceived expectation the world has on you. Right. And I think this is a really great first step for not only your own personal development journey, but before you can work on relationship stuff, before you can add partners, try and juggle the multiple things that go into polyamory, I think it's really important to start here and really know who you are, yeah. you know, and then we'll take it from there. I, I mean, you can always do the adding partners and stuff without this step. 
But I think the idea is that you want to do it as healthy as possible. Absolutely. Healthy, ethically. This is just a starting point that we believe worked really well for us. Right. And I know that there's two sides of this camp where the saying, you can't really love someone else until you love yourself. Some people 100% buy into that. Some people say that's 100% bullshit. <laughs> I'm not going to say one way or the other what it is. I think I, it's personally. I personally know that I do better for the people in my life when I'm doing better for myself. Right. Because I can love you to death, but if I'm not doing myself right, I'm not going to do you right. Yep. Right? Absolutely. So, obviously, this is a big topic. There are tons of books written on this stuff. You can go out and research all the stuff in the world yep. and still not scratch the tip of the iceberg. And it's always changing, too. And a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is the same way. We will talk about something for 30 to 60 minutes, and that's just touching the tip of the iceberg. You well, know? a lot of this is just our experiences. This is our input. Take it or leave it. Take pieces of it, what you will. Maybe you're just here for the entertainment because we're kind of goofballs. I don't know. I'm serious. Serious? I'm going to sneeze is what I'm going to do. But regardless, we hope you took something from today's episode and yeah. it will help you on your journey. Yeah. So thanks for having this discussion with us. Yeah. And come back next week. I believe we are going to do an episode on the ego. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Okay. Bye now, Pollyam fans. See you next Tuesday. Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsada. You can find our Facebook page in the links. Or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepolly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam, live like there's no tomorrow, laugh until it hurts, and, and love, love without, without limits. limits.